Well, praise the Lord. It's an, op- it's an honor to uh, be able to bring the word to you again uh, today and just to minister to you as the Lord has uh, put it on my heart uh, to do so. And I trust that uh, with the presence of the Lord being here and how God has already moved, he will continue to move in your heart through the ministering of his word. Hallelujah. I'm going to be asking you, for those of you who have your Bibles, to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start at the 24th verse today. And as you are turning there, please join me in a brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we just thank you for meeting us where we're at today, encouraging us, Lord, blessing us, Father God. Uh, You're the reason that we're here, Lord, and and we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And we ask that you would speak to us, Lord, uh, minister to us through your word, Lord. Um, And, Lord, I trust that we have hearts of good soil prepared to receive the good seed of your word, that it might bear fruit unto your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Matthew Matthew chapter 13, starting at the 24th verse, uh, we know it as the parable of the wheat and the tares, depending on your uh, translation. Uh, Mine is the parable of the wheat and weeds. Um, It's one of the parables that Jesus shared in this chapter uh, that speaks to the multifaceted nature of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven cannot be described in one singular word. It's too amazing. It's too awesome. It's too uh, nuanced. It's, it, it, it's too deep. But I chose to focus on this particular parable today because I believe it speaks, the message of it speaks to where we're at in today's time. And it gives us insight that we need to be grabbing a hold of and carrying forward in this world in which we live. Like it or not, God's not taking us out of this world. Like it or not, this is the world we've been planted in. Amen? It is, it is what it is, and there's a lot of things wrong in this earth, but I would encourage us as, as the children of God not to be overly swayed by what's wrong in this earth, but, but to re- be reminded of the fact that there is a God in heaven. Amen. Amen? Heaven is his throne, earth is his footstool, and he is doing a work in this world, whether we see it or not. He is doing a work, and it is a mighty work indeed. Amen. Amen? And the people of God ought to say so. Right? You know, I, I'm not letting somebody on behind a news desk ruin my day, ruin my view of, uh, uh, of the society, of the country, of the world. You know what? Is this world going, what do they say, to hell in a handbasket? Can I say that? Facebook? Okay, things are worsening. Things are worsening. It's happening, and guess what? It's going to continue to happen. And as bad as things get, one thing we know for sure, as bad as things get, as they worsen, as they worsen, as they worsen, we're told to look up. For your redemption draweth nigh. Right? Because the promise of God is sure. The promise of God is certain. And as much as I would like for the world to get better, this world ain't my home. It ain't my home. You know, uh, you look at my passport, look at my driver's license, I'm a United States citizen. That's in the natural, but in the spirit, I am a citizen of heaven. This world is temporal. Heaven is forever. Amen? 
And there is nothing that can happen on this planet, nothing that can happen in this day and age and in this time that we live in that can change that. And that's a message that will preach. That is a message of hope. That is a message of inspiration. That is a message the people of this society, the people of this culture, the people of this world need to hear. Are you hearing me today? And so Jesus speaks a parable starting in verse 24. We put another parable, he put another parable before them saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let's skip down to verse 36 where he gives the explanation of this parable. And I love it here because the benefit of being a disciple of the Lord is we have a relationship with him that what we don't understand we simply go to God in prayer and ask God to reveal the truth of it to us. That's the benefit of relationship. That's the benefit of being committed to God is that we don't settle with not understanding. We don't presume that we have it all. We go to God and we humble ourselves and say, God, can you give me revelation here? I don't think I grasp the full meaning of this. And so verse 36, then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him. Say, came to him. Say it with me, came to him. <laughs> right? He didn't have to beckon them to him. They took the, initi the initiative. They went to him. They came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. I find it curious that they ask. They ask him to explain the parable of the uh, seed and the sower. And they ask him to explain this parable of the weed and the tares. But he gave a bunch of parables in this chapter. Now, I don't fully understand all the reasons why, but there was something about this parable that they wanted to know. They, they knew that there was a deeper meaning here, and they wanted desperately to understand it. And I want to encourage you, when you read the Word of God, it's good to read. It's good to develop that discipline. But, but have that desire desperately to deeply understand the things of God. So much so that when you're reading the Word of God, you're not assuming you understand it. You're not assuming what God wants you to get out of it. You are praying, God, speak to me through your Word today. What is the Word you have for me through your Word today? What is my direction from you for the day? Let the your kingdom come, your will be done in my life today. So they came to him and they asked for an explanation of the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The son of man is a reference to Jesus himself. Son of God, son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Hallelujah. He who has ears, let him hear. As I said in the opening, if I were to ask the question, is the world we live in getting better or worse? It doesn't matter what demographic is represented here. The consensus would be it's getting worse. Amen? That, that, that's the obvious answer to that question. And that's not pessimism. It's true. But that begs the question, what is the church to do in a, in a worsening world where evil is flourishing? I know what a lot of people have been tempted to do is that is to stop the flourishing of evil. We want to attack. We want to root it up. We want to pull it out. But this parable goes against that line of thinking. We got two sowers here. One is the son of man, Jesus. The other one is the devil. The field is what? The world. I, I don't like it when I hear people teach out of this passage and say that this means the field is the church. No, that's not what the passage says. Look at it carefully. The field is the world. And it very clearly says that there are two, two beings planting seed in this world. God is planting good seed in the world. The devil is planting bad seed in the world. And some of that bad seed is hard to distinguish that they ain't wheat, but they're weeds. The devil has planted them in the world. And you know what? They're everywhere. But so are we. We're planted in the same field. An enemy planted them in the field right along with us. And you know, sometimes in my life, I've, <laughs> there have been several seasons of my life where I'm wondering, I don't understand, why am I even in this place? Why am I here? Why am I in this city? Why am I working for this place? Why am I living in this neighborhood? I, you know, I don't get it. I want to be somewhere else. I had a dream to be in another city. I had a dream to be in another profession. I want to do other things that are more significant and whatnot. Sometimes our passion and desire to want to do something else causes us to miss the assignment of God that he has for us where we're at. You know the truth of the matter in every one of those situations? Even though it wasn't in my plan, I was a good, I was a seed planted by God. He planted me where he wanted me. Right? And my job wasn't to question where he planted me. My job was to bloom where he planted me. To let him fertilize my heart. Let him fertilize my life. Let him prepare me to be able to bloom and blossom and bear fruit unto him wherever I am. That the influence of God may be seen and felt and received by others around me. Are you hearing me today? And so, isn't it interesting? Two opponents, God and the devil, are sowing seed in the same field. And at first glance, you can't, we can't see in the heart of man, at first glance, you can't tell the difference. You don't even know that there's bad seed in your midst. You don't know it until somebody develops as a thorn in your side. 
in the cubicle right next to you. And you realize, oh, that person had to be planted here by the devil. <laughs> you know, or if you're a teacher and you're dealing with those kids, you say, oh, no, I, I'll tell you who the seed planted by the devil are. They're in my class every Monday through Friday. And if we got them up out of here, the world would be a better place. If I got a new coworker, the world would be a better place. If I got a new neighbor, the world would be a better place. If there were new drivers on the road, the world would be a better place. But to me, looking at this parable, that is not a kingdom mindset. That's not the message that Jesus is giving us in this parable here. You know how I know that? Look at what, look at what it says when, his, uh, uh, when the servants realized there came a point. Um, I debated whether I'll, I'll mention this, but I will go ahead and mention it. It's called weeds in the Bible, but uh, more accurately, the term is more like darnell wheat is what was planted along with the wheat. Now, Darnell wheat may as, been a, may as well have been a weed because it was worthless. And when an enemy wanted to sabotage a person's crops, they would go in after the enemy has planted his, weed, his uh, wheat, and they would go and sow in a whole bunch of Darnell weed. And for weeks, maybe even a couple months or so, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. It would look like the a bountiful crop is developing until it started to bud and starting to realize, oh, we got wheat here, but an enemy has sabotaged the crop. So if we were to follow through with that parable, the enemy is sabotaging or trying to sabotage the crop. Planting people doing things in the name of God in some places that are not Christ-like, throwing people off, making it difficult to determine or discern what is really Christ and what isn't. And I understand the, the burning desire to want to wipe out that influence, pluck it up and get rid of it. That's the way to do it. But let's see the conversation between the master and his servants here. Going back to that first, it said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to them, then do you want us to go and gather them? In other words, pull them up. And he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the wheat first and bind them in the bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. You know what that tells me? That tells me we're going to have to learn how to get along, how to, how to coexist in, a, in an environment where, where uh, bad seed exists and evil is flourishing. He planted us in the same field. The wheat is flourishing. But so is the Darnell wheat. So is the weed. They're, they're both flourishing. They both reach harvest time. But there is coming a time when God is going to harvest. And God is going to deal with the, with the weeds. Are you hearing me? Right? We don't have to rush that. We don't have to try and make that happen right here, right now. God has got our backs on that. What we need to concern ourselves with is blooming where we're at. Because you know what? One, despite the clear message in this parable, the delineation between wheat and weeds. 
there's the Christ factor at work here. And in Christ, weed, a weed can become wheat. In order for that to happen, those who are wheat in the same field with the weeds are going to have to bloom, flourish. The, the, the fragrance of Christ, the influence of Christ is going to have to emanate from you in order for you to be able to influence those who are persuadable. To make a decision for Jesus. And I tell you something, man. There are some people who are legit Christians that, that don't act like it a lot of times. There are some people who are evil people and everything about them speaks evil person. You don't need much discernment to recognize who they are. You can, you can identify them and they're not even trying to hide it. But there's another group of people, more of them than we probably care to know. I know a lot of people who are good people. They don't commit crime. They're law-abiding. They have a generous nature about them. They care about people. But they don't know Jesus. And in the context of this parable, that makes them a weed. And that means they are destined to be bundled up by the harvesters and tossed into the lake of fire. And hell is a real place. You know, there was a time when fire and brimstone was preached from just about every pulpit in America. Hell isn't preached about a whole lot these days. And, and, and you know what? I get it. You know, I, I don't preach about it often, but I don't shy away from it either. You know, to, to really appreciate the wonder and beauty of the gospel, you can't shy away from the reality of hell. Because you got to know what God has saved you from through Christ Jesus. Amen? And you got to know you're going to be spending eternity somewhere. Right? When you die, it doesn't just end. If you don't know Christ, you're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you could be a good person, a good quality individual. But if you don't know Christ, that's exactly where you're going. Eternity of torment, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not because that's where God wanted you to go. Because he sent Jesus so that any and all who would believe in him would not perish. But have eternal life. In Christ Jesus. That is the heart of God for us, but it's also the heart of God for those out there that don't know him. And so the challenge for us today is to answer the question for ourselves, what is it I am to do? What is it we, the church, are to do in a world Where evil is flourishing and things are getting worse and worse and worse. Let me tell you what, I wish I could remember the name of this guy that I got it from, but, but I remember what he said. And, and, and basically, the gist of what he said was, God hasn't called me to, to clean the water supply like the lake or the river or the pond, what he's called me to do is fish out of it. Right? So, oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> and it is powering off now. 
Uh, FYI, that's a notification for Wednesdays in the Word. Uh, I discontinued it for the summer, but chose not to get rid of the notifications, and I pay for it every week, sometimes on Sundays. Uh, I apologize. Um, where was I? Um, yes, thank you. You know, God has called us to be fishers of men. Right? You know, and there are people in the, in the river or people in the field. And we have a redemptive influence in Christ. We have to remember that. Because otherwise, we can get lulled and pulled into While I get it, and I can't say that I haven't had these feelings myself at times, we can get lulled into wrong-headed thinking that we have got to wipe out or cleanse society of these evil elements and so forth. Well, in your efforts to do that, this parable tells you you can pluck up the good seed. You can pluck up the wheat, trying to being focused on plucking up the weeds before it's time. You know, for example, there's a certain unchristlike influence in our school systems. And there have been some zealous and fervent efforts to root that stuff out. Do you know what's ended up happening? You've had good Christian teachers end up calling it a day. In real and in, in deciding that, you know, the school environment isn't for them anymore because there's too much drama, there's too much heat, there's too much politics, there's too much conflict, there's too much derision, and they're being lumped in with the other parties just by association. And that's the problem with these, that's the problem with these uh, broad stroke initiatives and so forth that pretty much labels a group a certain way, and we go after them. What we should do instead is what Jesus says here. And it's the hardest thing to do sometimes. You know, but we got to, he told his, uh, the master told the servants, do nothing. In other words, the do nothing doesn't mean do nothing at all. Do nothing is don't do what you are tempted to do. Do not pull up these weeds. Resist the urge to go down that route because you're missing the call of God and what Jesus has called you to. Continue to care for the field. Continue to do your responsibility. That means you're going to that means what you're doing to benefit the wheat is going to end up benefiting the weeds also. But that's not your concern. Just work the field. Instead of wishing you were somewhere else, embrace where I've planted you. Engage God where he's planted you and ask God, okay, God, instead of me complaining, instead of me uh, lamenting why I'm here instead of where I want to be, I'm going to acknowledge the work of God in this, and I'm going to instead say, okay, God, you've planted me here. I want to take root here and bloom here. God, help me bloom here. Help me be an influence for Christ here. That I might, that I might by your grace and by your spirit, Right, that I might influence someone who is currently a weed into becoming weed. And I will leave the sorting out of the wheat and the weeds to you on that harvest day, Lord. But in the meantime, 
I'm just going to bloom where you're planted. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. You know, it also says something, and I'll, before I, I draw to a close here, I have three points I want to make. Before I make them, there were three observations I had about the kingdom of heaven uh, through this. That despite the enemy's efforts to corrupt, uh, to bring corruption, the conclusion of this parable lets me know that the kingdom of heaven is incorruptible. He can plant weeds in the field, but the weed did not corrupt the wheat. The wheat still grew. The wheat still flourished, right? The wheat still made it right to harvest, amen? And God knew who was who. And so we're going to let God do all that. But the encouraging thing is, despite the enemy's best efforts, the kingdom of heaven is incorruptible. Despite the enemy's best efforts, the kingdom of heaven is unshakable. And despite the enemy's best efforts, the kingdom of heaven is inevitable. <laughs> Amen. There's coming a day. Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. And when he comes, he's going to make all things new. Amen. And it doesn't matter how bad the world is getting, the kingdom of God still remains. Because heaven and earth are passing away. But the kingdom and word of God will last forever. Are you hearing me? So, I will say, in light of uh, what I said about being real, looking at it wherever you're at, consider it the place that the Son of Man has planted you. I think if you can put that mental picture in your mind, that's going to help you overcome, you know, leaning on your own understanding. It's going to help you overcome you know, anxieties, worries, fears, uh, even selfishness and whatnot as you second-guess the plan of God for your life, right? Uh, it doesn't take long. All it takes is for us to experience a few negative things for us to uh, question that it's God's will for us to be where we're at. <laughs> and so, um, you know, my darling, no, I'm not going to use her as an example because uh, it will... Uh, if I use that example, I think uh, certain people will figure out who it is, and I don't know if they watch the feed or not. So, But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it involves a term, thorn in my side. I'll put it that way. Um, I know... People can be hard to deal with sometimes. Um, we can be we can be selfish, looking out for number one. We can be treacherous. We can be deceitful. It's hard to get along. Uh, with people sometimes, but yet that's what we're called to. And the easy thing for us would be to avoid the people that we find distasteful or avoid the people that uh, we don't really mesh with and everything. And just we look at that as to preserve the peace. We just avoid them and everything will be all right. My challenge to you is what if that person is the very person that God wants you to bloom around to influence them, to reach them with the good news. Is 
is the mo- is that brief moment of peace for for however long you you know you encounter each other in that day is that worth more than that person's soul and if god wants to use you to make a difference in that person's life that will lead them to come to christ then are you willing to humble yourself before God and go there with him? I'm not saying you're not. I'm asking the question. Now, if the honest answer to that question is, I don't know or no, okay, then that's a problem that needs to be addressed between you and God. But it does need to be addressed. Because what did the song says? Here I am. You can have it all, Lord, every piece of me. Here I am. That should be our mantra to God. That should be the cry of our heart. Here I am. Use me however you will. Your will is what I want. In my life, your will is what I want to carry out. So if the person that I want to be around the least in my job or in my school or in my church or in my neighborhood, wherever it is, if the person I want to be around the least, you're calling me to draw in, then I don't want anything to hinder a yes, Lord, from me, oh God. And so uh, I've had to wage that battle, and I have said no, Lord, before. But I don't say no, Lord, anymore. I've learned. But I understand how challenging that can be. But, but my, I can't stress to you enough that at that point it becomes less about the individual and more about you. Because if God, if you're not willing to go there with God, then there's a piece of you that God doesn't have. And God wants to minister to you there. And he wants, he, he, wants you to, he wants you to let go of that weight and that sin that is besetting you in your walk with him. So you can be free from whatever that is and go, and go on forward with the Lord. Amen? So, one, appreciate the importance of the place you occupy in the field. Because if there's good seed in the field and we're good seed, we're in the field and we occupy a place. And there's purpose in the place that you occupy. There's purpose for you being there, right? And if you're going to bloom and fulfill that purpose, you're going to have to appreciate being in that place. You're going to have to appreciate the position that you have. Uh, maybe you're a uh, probably now a pretty rich uh, AC repairman with all these 100 degree temperatures and everything. But maybe, maybe you're a mechanic. Maybe you're a heating and cooling guy. Maybe you are an um, uh, a insurance guy, a real estate guy, a teacher, a uh, fireman, police officer, whatever it is, a stay-at-home mom, whatever it is. That's where God has planted you. That's the place that you occupy in the field. And there's great purpose in that. And if you you can appreciate the place that you've been placed at, the place you've been sown, the place you've been planted, if you can appreciate that, oh my gosh, then you can engage God there and then sky's the limit to what God can do in you and through you in that place. And in that place, you could be the person instead of who's graduated from complaining about the bad seat around you to your influence being such that all the bad seed around you become good seed to the glory of God the Father. So just appreciate the importance of the place you occupy in the field. Um, It might not be Especially 
if it's not what you used to dream about being. It's not the place you used to dream about occupying. So it's easy to, it's easy to get disgruntled in the place because you feel like you're settling for something. It's, you know, it's not what you aspire to. It's like you settled for something and it's like this is less than the lot that you're supposed to have in life. And I, and, and I would challenge you on that. It, you, you may have had dreams, you may have aspired for something that seemed bigger to you, but there are things that seem small in the eyes of man that are enormous in the eyes of God. And there is no greater thing that you can do than uh, obeying God, God's will for your life. Uh, So understand the significance of that and focus on where you're, um, focus on blooming where God has sown you. And uh, don't believe the hype about uh, changing the world because it's a fool's errand. I know, I know. Pessimistic, it's a fool's errand. Um, until you start looking at scripture. What does the word of God say about the narrow road versus the broad road? There's a narrow road that leads to righteousness and few they are that find it. Broad and wide is a path that leads to destruction and many go thereby. Right? And so that's just, I mean, that's a principle at work there. There's, this, there's going to be way more people that choose the path of destruction than the path of righteousness in every generation that's going to happen. And so because of that, there's going to be worsening conditions from generation to generation to generation. So we may as well get our minds around that. You know, the, the golden age, the good, day, the good old days, all this other stuff. I, I, sometimes I wish I was still a, a, a seventh grader. Walking the creek, crawdad hunting, fishing, just not a care in the world. And I can reminisce, but those days ain't coming back again. I long for a day when bills, I didn't even know what those were. Somebody else carried, handled that. All I wanted to know was I wanted to eat what I wanted to eat, right? I wanted the toy that I wanted. <laughs> Wanted to play, wanted to do all those things. And I just wanted to love life and, and embrace it. But I got to an age that responsibility came with. And when I became a man, I could no longer live like a kid. <laughs> Amen? You know, I had to embrace the reality that I can't go back to that anymore. Well, the same is the, same is the case for the world in which we live in. Things the worsening conditions will continue, continue, continue. So, you know, uh, any notion that we can bleach clean society or that we can, you know, do something to stave it, to stave it off and to, and, and, and to improve the moral condition of society, that ain't happening. Apart from winning people to the Lord. It's not happening through legislation. It's not happening through laws. It's not happening through culture wars, none of that stuff, you know. And I'm not saying don't be involved. I'm not saying don't be a responsible citizen. I'm not saying don't, you know, I'm not saying to, a, a, to, to abandon your, you know, your beliefs or your principles. But what I'm saying is don't let those things supersede uh, the priority of the kingdom and, and how we're supposed to advance the kingdom that Jesus himself gave us. When it comes to the church, his mandate is our priority. And we don't want to miss Jesus because our attention is diverted on something that he didn't tell us to do. I, I challenge anyone to find me a scripture <laughs> where uh, uh, that would say uh, Jesus told us to, um, you know, 
go out there and, and, and purge, morally purge society. It's not what he told us to do, but he did tell us to go and preach the kingdom. He did tell us to go and make disciples. And you know, as we do that, people who used to be bad seed become good seed. And the net effect is that society is the better for it. Are you hearing me? Right? But the priority is still advancing the kingdom. The priority is still making disciples. It's still the great commission. So, you know, resist someone saying, do this. The objective is to change the world or to change Americanism. No, uh, that's, that's a different gospel than what Jesus gave us. And we, need, and, and, and we need to understand that and know the difference. So, yeah, so do your part as a citizen, but we need to stop doing things like that in the name of the Lord. And, and, and instead, let's rein ourselves in and do what the Lord actually said in the name of the Lord. All right, and finally, uh, I kind of, Got ahead of myself and mentioned this already, but I'm going to repeat it because it's, it's here in my notes. There are also good people in the field who do not know Jesus. They appear as weak, but according to this parable, they are weeds destined to be gathered by the angels, bundled and tossed into the fire. And so while I know there are those evil ones out there, those lost causes out there that are fully devoted to Satan and his works. It's difficult for us to tell the difference between those people and just the good, otherwise good people that just don't know that they need a savior. And to give those people the best chance of seeing the truth of the gospel in such a way that they be persuaded to give their hearts to the Lord, then we need to handle ourselves the way Jesus told us to handle ourselves. And, and instead of trying to root out corruption and this or that and the other that might pull up good, uh, pull up uh, wheat and uh, cause all kinds of unintended consequences, we just need to focus on blooming where we're planted and trust God to use us to influence the persuadable people. And what they need to do is see Jesus all over us. And, and I'll finish with 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 to 17. It just came to my heart this morning, and I, I added it. And this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. He says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. And I believe that's really what this is calling us and challenging us to do. Let, let us spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. And so when I talk about blooming where God is planting you, where God has planted you, and not being distracted with some other pursuit that sounds kind of like kingdom, but when you really examine it, is not kingdom. If we can just rest where God has put us and, and, and prayerfully engage God, asking him to help us to bloom where he's planted us, then you've created an environment where the aroma or the fragrance of God is emanating from your life. And the people around you, even though some of them be 
bad seeds, the people around you smell the aroma of the knowledge of him. And I can't tell you what percentage of them, but I just trust that a percentage of them, right, will enjoy that aroma and want that knowledge themselves. They'll want to come to know the Savior that you know. So you don't have to be out there with the Bible in hand and, and, and be a pastor or an evangelist and so forth in order for you to reap a harvest in the harvest field of the Lord. You just got to bloom where you're planted. <laughs> and use the influence that God gives you. to catch some fish and pull them out of the pond. The water may be dirty and there may be some fish determined to stay in the dirty water. But the ones who will take the bait, you keep fishing, keep catching them, keep pulling them out, and keep doing it while it is day. Keep doing it until your time on this earth is up or until Jesus comes, whichever one is first. And despite the worsening conditions in this world, you'll be pleasing the heart of God. And on that last day, he will say to you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. And he'll say, enter into the kingdom, enter into the promised, you beloved of God. I'm going to ask you to stand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I hope, hope this word was an encouragement to you today and it's a blessing to you. Father God, we acknowledge that we live in a world that it's a difficult place to live and but Jesus, you said in John 17 and your, as you prayed for your disciples that you weren't asking the Father to take us out of the world. You just asked that we not be tainted by it. You called us to be an influence in the world, to be the good seed planted in the field of the world in whatever industry we work in and whatever academic institution we attend and whatever neighborhood we live in and whatever circles we travel in, Father God, you've, you've made us good seed. You've planted us in those places. And some of those places, you know, and some of us didn't want, didn't want to be in the places that we're in. But Father, I pray that you help them overcome that right now. I, I pray that through conviction of the Holy Spirit that they, re, they have or will repent of that and embrace the place that you've planted them and make themselves available to you completely, every piece of them, so that they might bloom they might flourish and might have great impact in the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. We pray this in your holy name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.